Shalom, and thank you for listening to Beit Zayit Messages. If you enjoy this teaching, consider joining us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. at 465 Lee Highway in Verona, Virginia, for our morning Shabbat services. Or watch the service live stream on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website at BeitZayit.org slash live. May the Father bless you richly through the hearing of His Word. Plague upon everyone, but... uh. It kind of, I was, I was reminded, uh, I got chicken pox when I was about 10, and it was just going through like wildfire, and uh, my oldest brother had just made the varsity football team, and he had, then he got chicken pox, and it was my fault, of course, so he threw a banana at me. But thanks for not throwing any bananas at me, you know, we all have, yeah, yeah, that's right, we, uh, we do not throw tomatoes, <laughs> VeggieTale reference, uh, we all have our, our scars and our hang-ups, but uh, it's, it's so wonderful to have a family. And sometimes family, you go through some tough times together. And, and uh, uh, so I'm, I'm grateful that it seems people are on the mend and, and doing well. And um, Alan has put a wonderful, beautiful spin on it that he, perhaps God is strengthening us for the next iteration of whatever virus. So, so we'll be good to go. So anyway, it's great to be back and feeling mostly alive. It's just I, I think I three weeks ago I said, oh, you know, the contrast between being sick and then being well, so wonderful. Well, I didn't know how much that contrast was going to be, but I'm so grateful to breathe and so grateful to be able to eat and all of that. So Baruch Hashem. So uh, yeah, we don't have we have enough time, but I do ramble. Uh, this week is Shalak, uh, so it's time to go to the Promised Land, right? Uh, and we're going to fulfill all those promises that were made to the patriarchs. And um, so let's. Remember back, some, specifically some of those promises. Uh, God didn't just make it to Abraham; He reiterated it right with each generation. So, but Abraham, Genesis 15:18. Uh, uh, that day, Adonai made a covenant with Avram: I have given this land to your descendants from the Vadi of, of Egypt to the great river, uh, to the great river, the Euphrates River, and then it lists also all the ites along the way there as well. Uh, next. Uh, again, God made the promise to Abraham. He also made it to Isaac. Uh, Genesis 26, 3. Stay in this land. I will be with you and bless you because I will give all these lands to you and to your descendants. I will fulfill the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And then to Jacob. Uh, Genesis 28, 13. Then suddenly Adonai was standing there next to him and he said, I am Adonai, the God of Abraham, your grandfather, and the God of Yitzhak, the land on which you are lying, I will give to you and to your descendants. So those are the, the covenantal promises made to the patriarchs, and I'm pretty sure they told some people about this. I, I was thinking about, you know, remember uh, Miriam, Mary, the, the mother of Yeshua, she, she held those things in her heart. Well, uh, I think that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, yeah, they held it in their heart, but they also shared with, with their family and, and with their tribes. And so people were aware of these promises, right? It wasn't some, oh, we found an ancient document and we didn't even know. No, they knew. Uh, so they had the promises of the Abraham covenant, Abrahamic covenant, and then, but they had the real world. I mean, that was a long time ago, right? They, they had the, the miracles uh, in, and the power of the plagues in Egypt, uh, the parting of the Red Sea, uh, miraculous provision, right? Manna, shoes that didn't wear out. Uh, they probably noticed that, hey, it's been a long time, my shoe's still fine, and we're walking a lot. 
So, and also the Torah at, uh, given at Mount Sinai. It wasn't just Moses, you know, here's the Ten Commandments. I mean, there was, there was physical manifestations of God's power. It, wasn't, it couldn't have been a trick of the eye or a sleight of hand. No, this was God's power. The people had witnessed it. They saw the glory um, of Adonai at Sinai come down and it stayed with the people. Uh, again, just a reminder, Exodus 40, 34, maybe, and 35. Uh, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. Mo Moshe was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud remained on it and the glory of Adonai filled the tabernacle. It didn't sort of secretly fill it. It was, again, you could physically see the cloud. Uh, moving on to Exodus 40, verse 38. For the cloud of Adonai was above the tabernacle during the day, and fire was in the cloud at night, so that all the house of Israel could see it throughout their travels. So it wasn't just Moses, right? Yeah, Moses is special. There's no doubt about it. But all of the people could see uh, the evidence, the cloud and the fire. Um, also, when the priesthood was consecrated, uh, Leviticus 9, uh, verse 23, Moshe and Aaron entered the tent of meeting, came out, and blessed the people. Then the glory of Adonai appeared to all the people. Uh, how many people were there for all of them? Probably yeah, millions, basically, right? I mean, you can debate the number. Uh, you know, you can only get so close with millions of people. Uh, but still, it, it, it wasn't just for the select few. It wasn't just for the... High and mighty, I'm being facetious here, but the high and mighty leaders, right? The special people, but it was for everyone. Um, God revealed himself in a physical way. Yep. So, the glory of Adonai appeared to all the people. Uh, where did the fire for the altar come from? It came from God. Fire came forth from the presence of Adonai, consuming the burnt offerings and the fat on the altar. So, you think the people just got some goose pimples and, oh, that was cool. Right? Oh, so goose pimply. I mean, I love goose pimples. I'm not dissing it. Now, they, they didn't just get goose pimples, or if they did, uh, it caused them to shout and fall flat on their face. You don't do that just for, sh well, some people might do it for show. You don't get millions of people to just, boom, like clap of thunder, everybody's down. That's the power that they saw. This is my point. That's the power of God that they saw, right? It wasn't just sort of a, oh, that was a nice feeling, a very nice service. Uh, you know, no, it, it, it laid them flat on the ground. So <clears throat> they also saw that God doesn't play around with fire uh, when uh, it consumed Nadav and Avihu, right? Remember that? They brought strange fire, boom, they're burned up. So that, that's the, the cloud, the fire, the, uh, the, the sort of spiritual and physical manifestations combined together. But there was another thing. Um, uh, God had ordered a census, and he wanted to know, you know, how many fighting age guys do we have? Uh, I think there's a scripture there. Yeah, Numbers uh, verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 44. Uh, Moshe and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, each from a clan, counted the people of Israel by their clans, those 20 years old and over, those who were eligible for military service in Israel. And the grand total came up to be 603,550. So even uh, just to try to put it in perspective, you know, 600,000 guys, that's a lot. Uh, let's compare it to sort of modern military numbers. Um, just, just based on guys, right, people, 
we won't talk about quality or anything like that, but just talk about people. China has uh, roughly 2,183,000 people in their military. It's a lot of people. India is next. Uh, uh, well, I didn't write this out very well. I think that's 1,440,000. Uh, 400,000, yeah, sorry, uh, 1,440,000. Uh, U.S., right here, we have 1,400,000 even. Uh, North Korea, uh, they like to fuss and fight, it seems. Uh, 1,280,000. Uh, Russia, 1 million, minus a few lately. Pakistan, 654,000. Again, 2 million, 1 million, 1 million, 1 million, 1 million, 654,000. Ancient Israel, 603,550. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th largest military in the world today. Now, if we brought every guy 20 years and older up to fight, yeah, there'd be more. But just to give you some perspective, this was not a small number of guys ready to kick some butt. This was a lot of people uh, ready. So you had, again, the spiritual side of things, but then the physical side of things. Like, we got 600,000 guys, and they got sharp sticks or something, you know. It, 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 this is a big deal. So the people basically are ready, right? We get into this Parsha. They've heard the promises of the patriarchs. They have the census. They know, like, their physical power their military strength in hard numbers. Uh, so we get into uh, Numbers 13, 1 and 2. And I know we've read a lot of these scriptures already today, but it's, they're, they're okay to repeat them. Adonai said to Moshe, Send men on your behalf to reconnoiter the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each ancestral tribe, send someone who is a leader in his tribe. So they weren't just Joe Blow. Uh, these were important leaders amongst the tribes. Uh, Numbers uh, 13, 17 through 20. Moshe sent them to reconnoiter the land of Canaan, instructing them, go on up to the Negev and into the hills and see what the land is like. Notice the people living there, whether they are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of country they live in and whether it is good or bad, and what kind of cities they live in, open or fortified. See whether the land is fertile or unproductive and whether there is wood in it or not. Finally, be bold enough to bring back some of the fruit from the land. So it's believed that the spies were sent out in pairs, um, right? Not just all at once or all together or one, you know, each one going their own way. Pairs. And, and again, talking about God's patterns, uh, you know, we, Yeshua sent the disciples out and the emissaries out as, with pairs as well. We, it, it, it indicates we kind of need each other too. We know we need each other, but... Um, Generally speaking, there shouldn't be any lone rangers in, in the kingdom, right? Everyone needs a buddy uh, when you're doing something for the Lord. Uh, oh, the spies, yeah, the two spies to Jericho as well. So uh, 40 days later, they come back from the land, and they come to Moshe and Aaron and the entire community, uh, Numbers 13, 27. What they told him was this, We entered the land where you sent us, and indeed it does flow with milk and honey, here is its fruit. However, the people living in the land are fierce, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. And moreover, we saw the Anakim there, basically giants, right? Thank Goliath. Uh, the people must have uh, really re reacted strongly to this because Caleb jumps in, and uh, you know he wasn't folding his hands and quietly saying, come on, guys. No, he jumped in there. 
Caleb silenced the people around Moshe and said, We ought to go up immediately and take possession of it. There is no question that we can conquer it. But the men who had gone with him said, We can't attack those people because they are stronger than we are. And so the bad spies go on to claim that the land is full of giants uh, and that we look like grasshoppers. To ourselves, we look like grasshoppers by comparison. And we look that way to them, too. So grasshopper was their self-assessment, right? They were thinking, well, yeah, we're, I'm a grasshopper. And uh, I don't know if, there's, if it's worth the distinction, but it's like that's how they viewed themselves. Um, even though, remember all that power that they had witnessed and then the, the counting of the actual fighting age men with sharp sticks, you know, they're ready, 600,000 men. Uh, they still, they felt like we're grasshoppers by comparison. So Numbers 14, uh, 1 through 4. Uh, at, at this, all the people of Israel cried out in dismay and wept all night long. I don't think I've ever cried all night long, but that, that just shows you the, how severe it was in their hearts, how, how stressed they were. Moreover, all the people of Israel began grumbling against Moshe and Aaron. The whole community told them, we wish we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died here in the desert. Why is Adonai bringing us to this land where we will die by the sword? Our wives and little ones will be taken as booty. Uh, wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Uh, as a husband and, uh, and a father, you, you think about it. It's like, well, maybe I'll go out and fight, but I'll be dead. And if we lose, what's going to happen to my family, right? So if you're, if you're, again, a young buck all by yourself, you don't worry about it. But when you, when you have a family, you've got to kind of count the cost, right? I'm not saying they were assessing it correctly, but I could understand. Uh, wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to each other, let's appoint another leader and let's go back to Egypt. So uh, this is not anywhere on the same level, but you know, when you have something to do that's kind of stressful, important, and, and it's a lot of work, isn't it funny how suddenly your interest in washing dishes or cleaning out the garage like goes through the roof? Like I get a lot done when I'm trying to avoid something that I should be doing, <laughs> something else. So this is, this is times a million, though, right? You're like, let's go back to Egypt, right? We can do dishes there. We can clean out the garage. And you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's like they were stressed. They were worried. Uh, again, not justifying it, not saying they picked correctly, but, you know, we can relate. It's so easy to sort of, you know, uh, uh, be... A, above the, the, the people of Israel and say, oh, yeah, I never would have done that. We know we would have been right there, you know, uh, but for the grace of God. So really, the people are falling apart, uh, and they're calling for an outright insurrection. And amazingly, Moses and Aaron, what do they do? They fall to their faces before the people. They don't say, uh, we're going to get you with our sharp sticks. No, they just fall to their face. And, uh, and then J J Joshua and Caleb try to intervene again, saying the land is an outstandingly good land, like Lois talked about, flowing with milk and honey. Uh, Numbers 14.9, uh, they say, just don't rebel against Adonai, because it wasn't just the people. They were actually being disobedient to God, right? It wasn't just a... Um, a natural thing. There was a, a spiritual disobedience there that was a big deal. Uh, don't be afraid of the people living in the land. We'll eat them up. Their defense has been taken away from them, and Adonai is with us. Don't be afraid of them. So how do they uh, respond to that, you know, positive message? Uh, oh, yeah, positive, encouraging, Caleb. 
<laughs> Cliff. That was my joke on the way here this morning. Uh, let's see. He was trying to encourage them, right? And, and, and with the reality, not with just made-up stuff, uh, but the people respond by they want to stone them and kill them. That's how they respond to that encouraging word. Uh, so you have a full-fledged uh, riot that broke out. So at this point, Adonai intervenes. Uh, uh, Numbers 14.10, but just as the whole community were saying they, they should be stoned to death, the glory that we've seen many times of Adonai appeared in the tent of meeting to all of the people of Israel. Millions of people, boom, all at once. Um, that's a whole lot of glory. So Adonai said to Moshe, how much longer is this people going to treat me with contempt? How much longer will they not trust me, especially considering all the signs I have performed? So God's saying, look, I've really you know, shown you guys a lot. Uh, you know, I think God understands sometimes. He understands our uh, faith questions. He understands our doubts. He, you know, he, he, he gets it. God's pretty smart, right? But he's saying, look, I've given you really a, a huge portion of, of me. You've seen so much of me, undeniably me. How could you con treat me with contempt and not trust me after all that? Uh, so he says, I'm going to strike them with sickness, destroy them, and make from you, Moshe, just you, a nation greater and stronger than they are. Uh, uh, Moses, again, amazingly, he intervenes on behalf of the people. Uh, you know, thank God for Moses and the prophet like unto Moses, Yeshua, that despite what we deserve, uh, they intervene for us, right? When we probably would... I mean, truth be told, in, in the flesh anyway, we would not be able to have that much mercy on someone that had wronged us so, so badly. Uh, but Moshe does it, and it's a precursor to Yeshua. Obviously, Yeshua uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice and, and intervenes for us uh, before the Father. So they intercede for the people. Uh, he also, one thing that Moshe does, which is interesting, is he recounts, Adonai's character traits back to himself. God knows himself, but, but Numbers 14, 17, uh, Moshe says to God, so now please let Adonai's power be as great as when you said, takes power to not be angry, right? Adonai is slow to anger, rich in grace, forgiving offenses and crimes, yet not exonerating the guilty, but causing the negative effects of the parents' offenses to be experienced by their children and even by the third and fourth generations. So he, he reminds uh, Adonai about those, who he is, his attributes. Adonai answered in Numbers 14, 20, I have forgiven as you have asked. Would he have forgiven not being asked? I don't know. But clearly God said, hey, you asked and I've forgiven. And But we know there's still major consequences. Forty years of wandering in the desert till all of that generation die. And it says, you know, remember, that's one year. For, for every day they were spying the land, that was one year in the uh, desert. Uh, Numbers 14, 39 through 40. When Moshe told these things to all the people of Israel, the people felt great remorse. They're like, ah, what were we thinking? They arose early the next morning, came to the top of the mountain and said, here we are, and we did sin. But now we'll go up to the place Adonai promised. Um, we, we just do stupid stuff like that. Sometimes it's hard to fix stupid. And I, I include myself in that remark. Uh, 
So they went against God one time, and then to fix it, they say, we'll go against God another time. That'll fix it, right? So sometimes we just, you know, put the shovel down, stop digging the pit, just stop. Um, Numbers 14, 41, Moshe answered, why are you opposing what Adonai said? You won't succeed. And of course they didn't. They got some fighting guys together, went to try to take the land. They got, they got whooped, and worse probably. So one, one of my sayings, uh, I haven't said it a long time to kids, and I'm sure I didn't come up with it, but, but uh, the right thing at the wrong time a lot of times is the wrong thing, right? So they were doing the right thing, but it was at completely the wrong time. Therefore, it was wrong to do that right thing. So I think the lesson is, is as best as we can, figure out what God wants to do uh, and do that right thing. It's easy, right? Figure it out, you know. I'm just saying, check yourself. I'm checking myself to say, well, just because it's good and right, and in Torah club, it talks about r running and racing to do a mitzvah. We should do that. I mean, it's not wrong. But sometimes say, hey, it's, it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. But God's saying, but I'm not asking you to do that. I actually want you to go do something else. And so, so I guess that's my caution to myself. And because my kids can't pick their parents, they get that caution pretty often. So anyway, uh, so yeah, there, there's some application for today. Um, we shouldn't forget that in the same way God was with, with the, the, the Hebrews, the Israelites, um, that they would just listen to him. God is also with us now. Uh, and he's in the midst of us now. And he's in this world now. Uh, sometimes it feels like he's far, far away. Uh, and, but, and we each have our role to play. And that role may not have a title. It may, you may not be able to write a report about it. But whatever that role is, we each have a role in his kingdom um, things that God's saying, hey, do this. This is the right thing at the, uh, at the right time. Do that. So he hasn't created any bench warmers. I, I tried not to do any sports analogies because I'm really not a sports guy, but uh, I, I do love numbers. You know, you I, I did play football for a long time, and, you know, you, you've got a lot of guys on that team, so only 11 of them are playing at once, so most of them are on the bench at any given time. But in God's kingdom, there's nobody on the bench. Everybody's in the game all the time. And if you think, well, is there room for me in God's kingdom? Yeah, well, in the physical, you can fit 54,000 people on one football field, believe it or not, if you stand real close. So there's room. There's 28 billion football fields in, on the earth, by the way. So anyway, that's my OCD numbers. I'm just going gonna, gonna to get it out of there. Uh, so there's plenty of room to get in the game. Uh, that's the physical realm. You know, in the spiritual room, uh, uh, realm, you know, it's infinite, the amount of space. Uh, no bench warming. That's the point. So I, I do feel, I, I've repeated it uh, many times, that I think it's still true that God is doing something big, right? I think he's always doing something big, but he's still doing something big. Um, and maybe that's why things are a little topsy-turvy in our world right now. There's, there's a battle. There's um, God and his host, and then there's the enemy. And, and there's a battle going on. Uh, but it, it can be pretty discouraging, but the, the enemy is no doubt. He's roaring right now. Uh, repentance and revival is really the solution uh, to our world right now. Uh, but people, and I've said this many times, people aren't looking for God. They're just not. Uh, generally speaking, uh, what have we had in the last few years? We had plagues, 
riots, wars. Now we're having some wars and financial troubles that are not just figments of our imagination. Uh, none of that has caused the world to say, uh-oh, I think it's time to turn to God. I mean, yes, some, but not, not in a, a real big way. But, you know, think back. A lot of us were not looking for God originally, right? It takes God. Uh, it, it can't just be a matter of will, right? It can't be just a matter of being organized and good planning. I mean, at some point, God has to reveal himself to us, and he has to impart to us the ability to even uh, to, to know him and to see him. So, you know, we've, we were in a pit when God found us, and we weren't necessarily trying to get out. So it takes God's strength. I, I try to remember, like Samuel said, here I am. Only God can help us say, here I am. And he does. So what do we do? My, my uh, biblical example that I cling to is Nineveh as the example. Bad people, not looking for God, even had a not a great prophet sent to help them to know God, right? Jonah was really probably pretty nasty when he told them this, you know, to repent. So where did, why did the people repent? It's because God gave them, he put it in their heart to repent. He sort of showed them their sin, showed them their need, put the desire in their heart to, uh, to repent and turn to him. So God can do it again. He can do it in this crazy, mixed-up world right now. So that's my prayer to the Father. Uh, maybe that's me trying to remind him, remember your attributes, Father? Remember how you saved Nineveh? Will you save us now as well? And he can do it. So anyway, um, there is hope. Yeah, this week's Torah, if folks in Torah study or Torah club, you, you, you've read it and you, you know it, but it's really neat. It talks about the ten spies, in a way, reside in us, right? And we have to resist the voices of the ten spies in many aspects of our lives. So um, looking forward to talking about, about that and, and Torah club. And then the discouragement, I guess I'll end with this. I, my prayer for myself and for us is that we have the faith of Noah, right? The world was 100% bad all around him for a long time. And did Noah have a special relationship with God? He did. But Noah, he, he persevered through all of that. Um, faith of Abraham promised all this amazing land. You know how much land he got to have? He got just enough to bury his wife and nothing else, right? You know, if you're good, you know, you wouldn't write, you know, a Fortune 500 kind of company story about that, right? He's a failure in, in the physical and the natural. You got just a little scrap of land to bury your wife, and that's all you did. But no, he, Abraham knew, and he had the faith to stand on God's promises, even though he didn't get to see it manifest directly in his life. So I pray that we have the faith of Abraham, and I pray that we have the faith of Joshua and Caleb, who stood up for God and against millions of people who wanted to kill him. And they still st stood up for, for God. So anyway, I think there's a lot of reasons to feel good and be encouraged. And I'm excited about what God's doing in us, through us, and in this whole world. It's going to be amazing. And that's all i got. Shabbat Shalom. Again, thanks for joining us for the Bates I Eat Messages podcast. This podcast is an extension of Bates I Eat Messianic Congregation a group of Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, currently meeting in Verona, Virginia. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review, along with a five-star rating, or give us a thumbs up, wherever you're listening from. 
If you're interested in learning more about the Creator and His Word from a Messianic Jewish perspective, check out our website at BaitSaeed.org for helpful resources and more information. Until next time, Shalom.